0: Honestly, like, let's talk about what we're experiencing right now, which is that kind of like brain fog that occurs um, when you've worked a night or two
1: or three. Yep. So
0: I say we talk about that because we're both in it right now.
1: How many days have you worked? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) One? One? Come on.
2: Welcome to MedRoom Chronicles, Nursing Uncensored. Join nurses and other care providers as they let you in on discussions usually reserved for the privacy of the locked medication room. In this weekly nursing podcast, the filters come off and we tell it like it is. Your hosts, nurses Adrienne Benning, Andrew Craig, and Brad McLaughlin are here to educate and entertain on all things in the nursing world. This podcast is intended for nursing students, nurses, or anyone who wants a sneak peek into the real world of bedside nursing. So join us, laugh along the way, and maybe learn a little something too. And thanks for listening, guys. Hello, nurses. Here at MedRoom Chronicles, we may be uncensored, but we are not unfiltered. Protected health information has been changed and concealed to comply with HIPAA. The things we talk about are combinations of years of experience with thousands of patients, things we've read, or stories we've heard. If you think we're talking about you, we're not. Also, we're real nurses here to provide accurate and helpful information, but don't take us as fact without doing your own research. Refer to your state's Board of Nursing, Practice Acts, and your institution's policies and procedures if you have questions about your practice. Lastly, our very strong opinions are ours alone and do not reflect that of our employers or educational institutions. Thanks for listening, and happy nursing, folks.
0: Welcome to Medroom Chronicles. This is Adrienne back with Andrew today. And we actually um, kind of already started our conversation, but um, we are just jumping right in, you guys. This is yet another episode. We're flying right along. And uh, Andrew, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Adrienne. I... uh... Good to be back. I am excited to talk today. I just got off work a three-day stretch, and we're going to be talking about some brain fog today, which is so relevant to how my brain feels.
0: Yeah. I was just
1: telling you, I just did a post on the Travel Nurse Network that literally said, at the end of your shift that moment you realize you've been staring at the same sentence for seven minutes straight.
0: you <laughs> have no idea what it says. No.
1: I was literally, Adrian. I was trying. I was like trying to extract information out of my brain this morning because nothing was working. I, I, I always say that my brain gets mushy. If there's something about... I, th- I wonder, are there something about nursing and third shift that just makes you just cr- like a deme- like you have dementia at the end of your yeah. shift? Yeah,
0: like you know, I, multiple nurses have expressed to me before that sometimes they're like, "Man, I if I get pulled over on the way home, I'm that makes me a little nervous. I can't walk a straight line, I can't yep. form a sentence, totally so- sure. And you know, not to not to get too serious, missy statistics over here, but like driving tired is pretty much the same as driving with some drinks in your body because your, your reflexes are so, yeah. So basically, I mean, I'm not going to get in all that, but yeah, you get off work and you're like, yes, officer, I'm completely sober. I've just been awake for three nights caring for demanding sick, confused
1: people. (laughs) It's funny. I started to notice that I was having problems, you know, when I was working with you at the University of Iowa, um, as far as like sleepiness, like right at about 4 a.m. Chronically from 4 to 7 a.m. is where my brain is just I have to drink a shitload of coffee. Sometimes I have to go on walks because if I don't stay active, which usually I'm busy with nursing, but there's also lulls. Yeah. I'm just completely useless. I feel like inside. Which so, to all the patients listening out there, I promise I'm still doing a good job. I'm just yeah. We
0: just fired. you know we have to shake it off. It's like anything. It's like when you're driving for a long time and you kind of get that tunnel vision a little bit. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're about to fall asleep. It just means mm-hmm. that you got to be like, all right, I got to get up and move. I got to drink some coffee. Got to drink some water. Like whatever. Yeah. You know, those nights do happen where it's like, uh, and actually. To Back it up. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's interesting that you say 4am. Okay, because I I can't show a diagram to our listeners. But if you were to look at the human circadian rhythm Mm -hmm. between like three and 430 ish is when your body temperature dips. Your body is usually in deep sleep. So basically what I'm saying is that time that you're citing, that kind of like 4 a.m. magic point for 3, 4 a.m. where everybody that's on shift is kind of like, unless you're running your tail off, you're like, even if you're running your tail off, you're like, I could lay down on the floor, regardless of what germs are on this floor, and go to sleep.
1: right Right. and even though i'm a super hypochondriac i i don't care Yeah, you're like i'll put my face
0: on this table that has some no i mean i wouldn't get super gross i wouldn't like you know put my face directly on a table however um sometimes you're so tired you feel like you almost want to um but yeah that 4 a.m time is the part of your body that is like trying to fight your resistance to go to bed so yeah people that's why you kind of like you see like nurses grabbing blankets out of the closet if they're sitting charting because they get the shivers it's because that's what your body does interesting um, it- yeah, I encourage you to, like, look at kind of like a visual representation of the human circadian rhythm and look at the times and figure out, like, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So not only are we doing, like, difficult work, but yep. we're doing it against all of our body's sensibilities.
1: Right. <laughs> well, you there know- I was... I was just talking to a nurse last night. Uh, She's a nurse practitioner student. She's almost done. Super nice lady. Regarding the sensibilities of your body, there's research out there that shows working a third shift just destroys your body and it actually can affect your life expectancy. And
0: they're also saying that there is some kind of correlation. They don't know what, but there's some kind of correlation between that and dementia as well. Like when you're chronically sleepless, I think it has something to do with how the plaques build up in your brain. It worries me because I've been on night shift for over a decade. And at the moment, I don't have any prospects of leaving this shift. I think that, you know, while it's something I have to consider, it's kind of this cognitive dissonance. It's like, I know that, you know, this is not good for me. However, I just have to do the best I can. Yep.
1: It's a means to an end. It's a job. You've got to make money. You sustain yourself. Listen, Adrian, if you end up becoming completely demented, you know, the ones that strip down and completely crazed and confused in nursing and homes. Finger paint I the- will be your friend still. I promise you.
0: All right. I appreciate that that <laughs> Just now you guys if I <laughs> oh the th- so i have a funny little side note i have an advanced directive i think everyone 18 years of age and older should have one regardless of health status in my advanced directive at the end of the form that i filled out which if you live in iowa you can go to um honoringyourwishes.org and you can just print one out and take it to a FedEx store and have it notarized for five or 10 bucks and you've got an advanced directive. Basically, Mm -hmm. um, in my advanced directive where I determine, where I, you know, outline, do I want to be resuscitated under what conditions, like what, you know, what's quality of life, et cetera, et cetera, guidance for my doctors in the event that I become unable to make my own decisions. But at the end of that, there's like a section, like a free form space. It's like, is there anything else you'd like to add? And I, this is honestly true, I wrote a letter to my nurses, which I know that as nurses, we don't always see the advance directive, but at least that way, if my family or physicians have access to it, they can mm-hmm. communicate. But in my advance directive at the end, I, I was thinking about, okay, if I was a patient or if I was a nurse taking care of my, me, Okay, so I'm taking care of my, I'm someone else taking care of myself. What do I want to know about me when I'm confused, out of my head, unable to communicate? What What's important? And so I told, I put a few points down. I don't remember what they are. It's like in my safe. The top two, the first one I put was, I have been a daytime sleeper for like 14 years. 14, I think at the time I put like 10 plus years because I had just reached my 10th year. Whatever. Basically, if you're a nurse taking care of me, you have no shot in hell of getting me back on a good sleep schedule. Like right. I'm going to be the person on the call light at night crying out. After yep. crawling out of bed, thinking she's got to go to work, yeah, I'm going to yep. be the old lady. The second point that I put on my letter to my my notes to my nurses was that I cannot sleep on my back. I sleep on my stomach. So if I yep. at any point had to have cardiac wires or an EEG or like you know I'm like incapacitated, need to be turned, please, please.
1: please let me sleep on my back
0: no don't let me sleep on my back i mean i mean i mean mean, on my belly (laughs) on my side as i can like you know as long as so stuff like that that i put on there like i don't sleep at night i don't do this i can't sleep like this because these are things that you know you've I've had experiences before Well, I'll have that patient that doesn't sleep all night and they drive me crazy and then I'll like put them really far over in a position and then they'll just be like and then they're out and I'm like oh my fucking god if I just uh-huh. knew that that guy slept on his left side whatever so these are things that I put in my advanced directive but that's that's a long roundabout aside for me to basically communicate that yeah night shift messes with you. it really does especially when you long term Oh, oh heck
1: yeah listen I've been doing night shift for well for almost five Years now, and you've been doing it what 12, 13, mm-hmm.
0: 12 at the hospital, no 11 at the hospital, and two in home care.
1: I can't tell if it's the work that we do that eats at you a little bit, it's got to be both third shift it's both. and it's hard to tease
0: those apart. You know, is it, it just is. Literally it is. physicality of having to be to all night, or there's
1: definitely alone. though what I miss about normal life is the energy level. i always have a baseline amount of lethargy like i'm trying to lose weight right now you know i'm having very slow progress and i and i'm on the wagon of doing good for a few weeks and then i'm like fuck it i'm gonna eat a pizza cheeseburger and some butterfingers tonight and go to town you know (laughs) -hmm. Because I need that comfort because I don't get any sunlight. And so I just I just miss the energy. I miss gardening. I miss sunlight Mm -hmm. sometimes. And and that's what I'm finding right now, Adrian, is it's really, really bothering me. It didn't used to. I'm like, yeah, this is great. You know, I I don't have to deal with administrators as much, bosses as much, you know, really as many other staff as much and families. But Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that wants some of that now. It's weird. It's so weird. It's like I'm willing to trade off the shittiness of the day shift to get back to normal life not to say that people that work on days are shitty more like the pace of days it's, it's is a different, something
0: here's the thing it's just a different preference do you yeah. prefer to work at the front desk or do you prefer to work in the stock room do you prefer right. to be you know on 100 percent all day for every single person in the hallway or do you want to be able to sneak into that break room at 3 a.m and like take 10 minutes to yourself. Yep. Just it's a different environment. It's not, you know, I'm not going to get into the ones harder, ones better, ones whatever. They're different for different yep. personalities. And I don't I don't blame you. Here's the thing. If I could, you know, have my cake and eat it too, I prefer to work night shift. I do better on night shift. I think I'm more nurturing, I think. I think I'm just a better fit to take care of people. At night, okay, that's just a personality thing, and it's easier for me to stay up all night or stay up for two nights than it is for me to try to get up at a quote unquote normal hour, five,
1: five in the morning, to go or to
0: bed, something. yeah, or to go to bed at ten o'clock at night. Like that, like my brain does. I feel like I'm not even cognitively alert until I've you know until the sun's gone down, and then I'm like, huzzah,
1: but, <laughs> I'm here. True. But you know,
0: I also, and you know, this this will be for a self care episode. That's why self care is so important. That's why it's important to factor in sunlight and interaction with actual human beings. Yep. Even if you know, because I like like I like grocery shopping at night. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I love it yeah but at the same time also like I never I, I miss those you know I'll like go during the day and I'll run into someone I know and have a great like four minute conversation by the cereal and then I'm like shopping during the day is like kind of good like it's kind of mm-hmm. social so cool and then I have to wait in line for 25 minutes and I'm like fuck this where's the stock guy at 3am who just wants to bring me up and go back to his work like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I want to kind of refocus us for a minute because I think this has turned into a free for all night shift discussion but I <laughs> I want to keep us on task of this, like, brain fog. Um, This, like, uh, you know, people are like, well, you only work three days a week. You know, it's the classic thing.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And the classic thing that, like, nurses complain they hear. But, I mean. Listen. Yeah.
1: Can (laughs) I, I just, I really... I need to address that very statement that you just said that I hear so fucking much. You only
0: work three days a week. You
1: only work three days a week. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story. I had a coworker in the past that uh, her boyfriend would say, oh, you only work three days a week? When I hear that type of shit, first of all, it, it boiled her blood and it boiled mine because that doesn't uh, give us the credit that we deserve. Night shift, 36 hours a week. Okay, I know full time is 40 hours a week, but let me tell you, if people knew what we did on a regular basis, they'd have no, they wouldn't, they would not be able to, I don't think they would comfortably be able to say, oh, you only work 36 hours a week.
0: Well, and also the thing, okay, so it's multifactorial because it's true. You're fighting your circadian rhythm you are not seeing your family for potentially, you know, two, three days at a time because you're going to bed, you're getting up, you're showering, you're going to work, you're coming home, you're going uh, to bed,
1: you're up. And then the, uh, the recovery the day after. Oh, yeah. Day before. yeah,
0: I haven't even gotten to that yet. So we're just talking about like the process of like work, sleep. Work, sleep, work, sleep. Cause that's what it is. Like when I work a couple di- couple th- or three days in a row, I get home at like eight, eight thirty. I try to be asleep by nine so that I have a shot in hell. I mean, that's assuming that I fall asleep, which doesn't always happen, but that's assuming I fall asleep. So I have a shot in hell again eight hours before I get up again and have to, you know, take care of my actual life and the fact yep. that I have to eat and poop and shower and feed my pets and all of that. Yep. And before I get back to work. And that doesn't even factor in time for the boyfriend and the mom and the friend. No. Mm -mm. So then you've got the stress of the actual shift. I also want to add in the fact the 36 hour thing. Bullshit. I don't work 36. Or well, I'm not full time because I'm in school. But if I were full time, I would say bullshit. I'm not full I'm more than full time because I come in early and I don't clock in to get my assignment, look at my med list, make sure I'm prepared so that if I get shitty report, I'm ready to go. I don't have to scramble. Uh, Sometimes I don't get a break. Sometimes I eat my lunch while I, you know, I'll like take a bite, couple bites, go answer a call light because we're busy and you know, you got to do that. So when you add it all up, that 36 hours, you're charting, you're commuting bullshit. 36 hours. I call bullshit. Like it is way more than that.
1: You know, that doesn't even take into account that a lot of nurses travel a great distance. Mm -hmm. They'll, They'll drive an hour one way. For instance, Sarah, well, she was living an hour away from the University of Iowa when she lived with me and she would drive two hours every day. So twelve mm-hmm. hours plus two hours, plus probably two hours ish of preparation before and after each shift. We're talking like maybe like a sixteen hour day, and that's assuming that she got out of her shift at on time. Days. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes she didn't because you know how shift changes, shit hits the fan. Yeah. So she gives up leaving late for to try to put out fires. So she might have a 16, 17 hour day, and that what is that leave? And then go home and sleep Rather. for five or six hours and then do, five it. Or, do it all over again. And you know, girls take longer to get ready than guys. I mean, I can wake up, get a rest, if I really rush, I could probably get showered, dressed in fifteen minutes.
0: Yes. So it's true. So like your twelve hour shift can turn in and that and also then, you know, just to complain about the other components traffic snow broken down cars yep waiting for the person you carpool with so yep. your exhaustion compounds as the days go on and we haven't even taken into account the fact that you are potentially walking five six eight miles oh. on your shift Hell yes. pushing, pulling the intellectual Turning. like turning calling doctors figuring out if your meds are compatible keeping a constant timeline in your head constantly reprioritizing then you have family member that may or may not be time consuming then you've got the fact that when you're on night shift you always gotta poop at the wrong time you're always hungry at the wrong time it just it becomes a very intricate choreography of day if I needed to, I could be out the door in 10, 15 minutes. But really, truth of the matter is, if I want to look presentable and not like a crazy person, <laughs> I need an hour. But that hour includes the fact that probably going to just kind of dilly-dally when I first get up. I'm going to eat. I'm going to shower. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to make sure I have all my shit. I'm going to pack my lunch. I'm going to interact with Doug. Whatever. So now that we've kind of, like, listed all of this stuff, <laughs> How when we say, "Oh, you only work three days a week"? No, oh,
1: no, folks. Oh, hell no. That, hell no. And that's
0: just on an average day. Now you take into account a day where you have emergencies, codes, your your code, rapid response admissions, discharges in the middle of the night, patients dying, you know, demanding family members that show up at 3 a.m. and have no idea why you you don't want them going in and turning on the TV and having a conversation with your sleeping patient. So the physical, the emotional, the intellectual exhaustion, on top of the fact that you keep Like, I think that's why sometimes on my days off when I'm exhausted, I'll be like barely holding my eyes open and I'll be like, why am I forcing myself to stay awake right now? Oh yeah, it's because that's the default setting of my brain right now. Like my brain doesn't go, hey, you're at
1: home. Go to sleep. What I found is my lack of energy and this so called brain fog has really affected my willingness to socialize with people. I don't go out as much. I don't see my family as much. I just, it's because I lack the energy. I'd much rather recover at home and do nothing because you hear like nurses, they just love to Netflix and sit on the couch. And maybe have a little glass of wine or more than a glass. I mean, I don't know what they do. but uh, Actually, I do know what they do. Let's be honest. Nurses are party animals, okay? Let's be real. They drink. And that's a whole (laughs) other section in itself. You know, talking about nurses that do drugs they drink, they smoke, you know, those types of things, because we're human. And so that's, you know, people like they they sweep that under the rug, like that's not a thing, but that's totally a thing because I've been there as a nurse. And so anyway, that's a little bit of a rambling, but it the is, bottom but line it, but is... But um, it's a
0: valid point. It's that like, yes, we want to be models of good health. We want to encourage our patients to do the same, but also like, you know, we like eating food that's bad for us, that tastes good. And, you know, I, I've been quit as a smoker for three years now but Mm -hmm. i smoked for 10 years i rolled my own filterless cigarettes like i don't want to think about the damage i did it actually made me shudder after i had been quit for two years and my doctor i was telling my doctor i've been quit for two years and she said well let's hope that it doesn't what when you did smoke doesn't come bite back to bite you in the end or something like that and i was Mm -hmm. like oh yeah what? Yeah, well, well, What she? I think what she meant was, you know, I smoked for 10 years. I don't have pristine lungs. Like, mm-hmm. that's just a fact of the matter. Even though your cilia eventually wakes up again, and it starts to kind of, like, work again, and you breathe better, and you taste better, and, like, your cardiac risk goes down as time goes on. I mean, really, truth be told, I, there's, I mean, a- anything we do. When she said that, it kind of dawned on me that I was like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not. in the clear, because I was puffing on filterless cigarettes for a decade. But I had never had anybody say to me, like, well, let's just hope that doesn't come back and bite you in the end. And I was kind of like, oh, oh, yeah. Science says that there could still be a thing, right? Hmm. Anyway, and I'm also a childless woman approaching my 40s, so... You know, there's that risk. But anyway, let's not talk about cancer risk. Let's get back to the brain fog. See, right. case this, in point. This yes, really, we're rambling all over the place because we're yep. both in the fog right now.
1: Yep. Oh, that is so true. Yep.
0: Let's 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 take some. Let's bring some more humor into this. Some things that I have done in brain fog. Okay, this is without any intoxicants acting on my system, except maybe. <laughs> But with no intoxicants in my body, I before actually what I did do today, I did this about a half hour ago with zero, I have no drinks for like days and I had a Pepsi my thermos that I take with me to work it keeps ice cold for like 24 hours it's like one of my prized possessions but I had half a Pepsi in it and I thought I had filled it with water or tea before I went to bed so just before this call started I went into the kitchen I poured some tea into it and then as I was talking to you before we started recording I took a sip of it and didn't want to react because I didn't want to admit in that moment that I had poured iced tea into a melted Pepsi that was eight hours old (laughs) so <laughs> so I'm sitting here now, slightly dry mouthed because I'm like, do I really want to get up and go, go change out my drink? Listen,
1: <laughs> I, I can I can one up you. I so to the listeners out there, it is never ever, in my opinion, a good idea to go shopping after you've been no. on a stretch oh, of. Oh God. The thing is, is all of your inhibition is gone. All this and idea of seems like a good idea because you're you're yeah. not at work. You're happy, I'm happy. Fuck this. I'm going to buy whatever the hell I want to buy. <laughs> I work for a, a living. Gone. I had have my
0: finger the up for last night. I earned this houseware.
1: Yep. Exactly. And so I think I dropped like 500 bucks one morning at the grocery store. I, I filled the entire cart with these glorious meats. I'm like, ooh, filet mignon. Ooh, lobster. Ooh. I just died
0: a little bit even thinking about that. Like, oh. see, I was thinking, even though I've, I, it's not that I haven't done that. I mean, I've never dropped that much cash in one go. But I, but I see how it would be easy to do that. Myself and um, a couple nurses went out to breakfast one morning. And then uh, after breakfast, we were, you know, we were still, like, we were kind of awake and frisky and, like, you know, frisky. <laughs> we were, like, lively and, like, you know, chatty. Yep. And she was, like, I have to go to Target. I have to get blah, blah, blah. And I was, like, <gasps> Target? <laughs> we, were, we were still in our scrubs at that point. And I was, like, let's just stop back by each of our places. We'll, like, put on not scrubs and we'll go to Target, you know? We were at Target for like two hours. We didn't even buy all that much, but we were like trying on hats and taking selfies and Snapchatting, and like it was like we had gone to Disneyland, except it was Target. We're like running in to get stuff that they need. There's like housewives with their kids, like shopping for groceries and baby food and diapers, and I'm like holding up wooden uh an f and a u i have a picture of this me from the craft department with this like crappy it might be on my instagram account which is public so if anybody wants to go to the nurse drizzles instagram account you can see lots of pictures including that one as well as me uh loaded up at work carrying a commode and a fan and some oral suction kits
1: uh, oh. Yeah, so <laughs> that's exciting.
0: Check that out. So the fog is real, and the fog. Oh yeah, another thing that I've done. I can't remember what the item was, but I once like put an item that would never even need to be in the kitchen into the refrigerator. Yep. I, I wish I could remember what it was. Anyway, yeah. So With you put peanut you butter find, into
1: the freezer. Yeah, or,
0: or like you know your your car keys, or you know in the kitchen sink, and you're like, what? Uh, why would I do that? Oh, why would do that?
1: I, I've got another. I got another one for you. So, so I don't drink that often anymore. I think I got this like out of my system like early on in my 20s. Now I'm kind of like, so I'm like once a month type of guy. And, um, So I'm a super lightweight at this point. And so when I go to breakfast and these glorious post-shift breakfasts that we actually don't get to do that often. I have a quarter of a sip, Adrian. I'm feeling a buzz. I'm a (laughs) lightweight. I I had two beers one morning i was wasted i mean i was silly <laughs> just two beers adrian and i'm a big guy i'm over 300 pounds yeah, but you know, when you're, when you're
0: tired and potentially dehydrated and you have yep. had ample nutrition overnight it's oh. real easy to get a morning buzz but um mm-hmm. but yeah the fog, the fog the fog Every i live like 10 minutes away from work so i don't Really have to deal with commuting. People say to me like, there are. T- I mean, I don't want to scare the general public into thinking that nurses are reckless, but like, you're driving and you get home and you're like, wait a minute, I don't really remember. How
1: oh, I've seriously, Adrian. I used to drive from Moline, Illinois, to Wellman, Iowa. Oh yeah, so that's like, I mean, that's I an hour and a half one way.
0: Yeah, and maybe I personally think that drive, just like me driving to Wellman, which is like maybe thirty minutes. Like that's. Yep. And he asked for me. I wouldn't even want to do that. And then you add yeah. on, like we talked about before, weather, traffic, hit
1: a deer, God forbid. Yeah. Like- oh, So I was so desperate to get a job out of nursing school that I took anything that someone offered me. I interviewed maybe two or three times. Honestly, I don't really remember. I I, uh, I answered a, an, an ad on Craigslist for a nursing home in the middle of nowhere. And if, if anyone out there needs to know what Wellman is, it's basically like 2,000 people or less. Mm -hmm. in this town are there any
0: stoplights in that town
1: Uh, maybe one or two (laughs) yes i took this job out of desperation because i didn't want to wait around when i got licensed i wanted to start working right away i wanted to start making money i want to start like practicing nursing and the problem was the job was an hour and a half away from my apartment and so for the first four weeks of me working there, I would drive three days a week, to and from work, hour and a half one way. So three hours a day I was driving, plus so that a 12-hour shift.
0: So makes your shift, like, three hours longer, basically.
1: Yep. So I can totally relate to that feeling of I have no idea how long I've been driving now. I, I completely forgot the last hour of driving. <laughs> because your your brain you just completely zone out and you're thinking about everything but probably what you should yeah, be thinking you're about. Like,
0: oh, did I chart this? Uh, did I forget to put that bed alarm back on? Did I did I bring my lunch bag home? Just the things that across your mind. And also, you know, the other thing that lengthens are only three days a week into another gruelingly long day is that, oh my gosh, I took so long to get to my and forgot what it was. What was I going to say? Hold on. Let me backtrack my thoughts. Guys, this is, this is the fog. This is the fog. <laughs> completely sober. And I lost track of what I was saying. Do you think
1: people are going to actually listen to us? Are they going to think there were some crazy lunatics with this one?
0: thing is, is that even though I have this fog, well, first of all, I'm not working right now. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm just at home you know, sitting in my fucking pajama bottoms at my desk. The thing is, is that when I get to work, I always feel kind of sluggish for maybe the first, like, half hour, okay? And that first half hour, that could just be the time I'm getting a report. So I feel like even if I come to work and I'm tired and I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do this, I could go back to sleep. At the same time, one of the things that makes me a good nurse is the ability to fucking shut that off and be like, nope, patient needs me. They're not breathing well, my brain lights up, I'm suddenly once again at the top of my game, but... As soon as that emergency's over and things settle back down and I sit down to chart, I'm going to get sleepy again. It doesn't mean that I am incapable of working. I mean, and if there was a time that I was just like, I am fucked and I can't keep a thought in my head, I I would call it. I'm not going to put my patients at risk because I'm being a martyr. But at the same time, one of the things that makes me a good night shift worker is that even when, like, for example, a nurse who shall not be named that I've worked with in the past used to have difficulty staying awake if there wasn't anything going on if they're caught up on their work their charting is done they do that kind of like head bob thing okay but if i were to say hey joe blow can you go get me this they'd get right up and they'd be like yeah absolutely i'll go get that so it's just a matter of it's kind of like when your computer goes to sleep the internal memory is still running If Mm -hmm. you touch a key, it's going to light back up and those programs are going to come back up for you. Yeah, Go into sleep mode because when you're on every second of every shift, it's exhausting. And so sometimes you need to go into those power save modes. So, you know, I want to, I want, you know, we joke around and we talk about fog, but really the fog is mostly for me between shifts and when all of the
1: work is done. I was just going to say an assignment that we had in Oregon, they allowed their employees to take naps. You could have a half an hour uh, or, well, it was during your, your break, you could do whatever the hell you wanted to do during your break. But even more importantly, they had this glorious massage chair in the uh, break room. Oh, wow. It was like it was like com- it would surround you. It, your all your limbs were taken care of. Your neck, your arms, your legs, your back. It was phenomenal. And I passed out several times in that chair. Like Sarah had to kind of shake me awake. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe sometimes a nap, what do you think could be beneficial? I've done work? that before
0: on my lunch break. The thing is, I got really good at the power nap. So for a while, while I was not the unit I'm on now, but when I was a nursing assistant years ago, when I first started working nights, I was working on a really busy unit. The pace was fast. It was really hard. And so I got really good at the 20 minute power nap. We had a love seat. It was like one of those love, it wasn't even a love seat, like a couch. It was like a two seater, like doctor's office waiting room chair that didn't mm-hmm. have like an arm in the middle. And I would get two bath blankets. Okay. I would lay one down on the surface so that I wasn't like laying on a couch that everybody puts a dirty ass scrub pants, you know, they sit on it or whatever. And then I would put a blanket over myself. I would set my alarm on my phone for like 15, 20 minutes and I would put the phone like next to my ear so that it was touching my head so that I could feel the vibration and it would like jolt me. Well, not jolt me awake, but it would, it would for sure wake me up. And so I got really good at dozing off for 15, 20. And here's the thing. If you do just like 15, 20 minutes, you're good. If you get into the 30, 40, 50 minute range, you're going to wake up groggy. So you want to do just like these quick little power naps. I got really good at that because that can be the difference between you dragging ass through the rest of your shift or having, it's like a, it like rejuvenates. It doesn't fix your tired. Right. And also you got to know your body. Some people can't do that. Some people say like, oh, hell no. I go to sleep. I'm not getting up in 15 minutes. If that's the case, then do something else stretch or go for a walk, a slow paced walk. When I work day shift, I used to go out to the north lawn and sit under a tree. It took half my fucking break to get down there. But the five to ten minutes I would spend under a tree in the grass in the spring weather was enough to make me go, okay, I don't need to jump off the roof right now. This day is totally manageable. I've had a second to reset. I'm going to go back in now. That's pretty solid. I think you need to do that on nights, too. You need to find the space. Like um, some nights I can't do it because I'm too busy. But usually, usually there is a lull between like three and four when I do, you know, my hourly rounding. Most of the time I can at least sneak away for 10 minutes, okay, and I'll go and I'll tell all my coworkers on that end and I'll say, hey, I'm going to go stretch and I will take uh, a sheet or a bath blanket and I will go into the break room, the locker room, we have dimmer lights in there, I'll dim the light. Uh, nobody goes in there at three o'clock in the morning. There's really no reason to. And so I will literally do, I have this yoga sequence that I do. I'll do yoga for literally like 10 minutes until my alarm goes off. And then I feel great. Mm Mm-hmm. So you just got to find that thing that makes you feel better because the fog is real.
1: Do you think that 12-hour shifts are dangerous in the workforce and need to be changed to every eight-hour shift? Yeah,
0: and I think that the 12-hour shift itself is not dangerous. I think what's, what gets dangerous is when you factor in all the other shit that we just listed. The fact that your 12-hour shift is not going to be a 12-hour shift. First of all, our shifts are 12 and a half hours. Because we don't get paid for a 30-minute lunch. So we work 7 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. Uh-huh. But technically, that's already 12 and a half. I'm not going to relist all the shit we just talked about. But I personally, because I live in town and because I personally like this way, some people would hate to do this, I only work one or two days at a time. And I've even t- communicated to my manager, I don't get as many migraines when I work fewer days in a row I'm a better, you know, like they understand that that's just my preference. Some people, if you live an hour away or whatever, you just want to get your shit done. Do your three days, have four or five days off, come back, do your three days, have four or five days, off, whatever, however you schedule it. But I'm not that person. Yeah. I hate, I don't thrive in the work bed, work bed, work bed cycle. Like I do better when I know that I'm not racing to get up at a particular time for many days in a row. So the week that I worked, uh, that I was scheduled to work five in a row by day four and a half, I was like vomiting with a migraine because I can't, I can't sleep under those circumstances and then work 13,
1: 14 hours or be awake, you know, fuck, what the hell was I going to say? See, this is the problem. (laughs) I was going to say, it was so compelling. So
0: yeah, what I also wanted to say is the fog doesn't really so much hit me when I'm at work because when I'm at work. My brain is a light. Not only is there the fear that I'm going to miss something that keeps me on my toes, yep. but also yep. I hourly round. I mean, there might be some nights when I can't because I'm busy or I really have to chart or, like, something is happening.
1: You, but you i you really hourly round, legit hourly round?
0: Here's the thing. If it's, like, a CFer that's, like, completely independent, yeah, if they can get up and go to the bathroom and they're not a fall risk and whatever. Yeah. But honestly, I, you—I don't even want to tell you how many people I've caught hanging halfway out of a fucking bed because I hourly rounded. Like seriously. And well, you guys I, use
1: bed alarms, don't you?
0: Well, yeah, but if it's somebody that wasn't a risk, like we had a woman that wasn't a fall risk at all, and she slipped on something on the floor and fell. So mm. I'm telling you, it's not like I out. Sometimes I do every two hours, but there are some people, especially my palliative patients. My respiratory patients, you have no idea how many times I've walked in on somebody trying to pull some shit that was dangerous because, like, they couldn't reach something or they couldn't find their call light. So I'm sorry. I know it's extra steps. It's not always possible. But if you're sitting on your ass at a computer at 2 in the morning, fucking walk 15 feet and look in on your demented, confused patient or even your regular patient. Yeah. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. The other thing is, here's another point. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But this happened just recently, and I felt like it was a fantastic interaction I had. There was a patient that I was taking care of. He was totally alert-oriented. He had a lung infection. They didn't know what the hell was going on, so they were doing a bunch of tests, and they had no idea. And he was fine. So I was doing every two-hour rounding, and what I learned from that was that this man was like, basically like crying in his room awake all night and didn't want to tell me. But every time I would go in there to see him, he seemed relieved. I would just kind of sit, you know, on the chair next to his bed, sit on the edge of the chair and, you know, held his hand for a little bit and talk to him. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, he didn't fucking need anything that you would think a nurse. Would. He didn't need water. He didn't need pain meds. He didn't, he didn't need anything from me. But if I hadn't been hourly or two hour Two hourly. If I hadn't been two hourly rounding on him, I would have had (laughs) no idea that this man was like absolutely beside himself with worry. So you know,
1: you're a supporter. and,
0: And it was his first night there, so I think that yeah, there are there are lots of non medical reasons to hourly round. And then the other benefit is is oh yeah, with my my very first float to the ICU, I've only had one, but my very first float to the ICU, they gave me a patient that was sound asleep all night long was fine and uh was there for a GI bleed. You know, cleaned him up a couple times, he went back to sleep, no big deal. Well at one point I peeked in on I had two patients, I peeked in on one patient. She was fine. She was asleep. Was going to go pee real quick because I had to go to the bathroom and then was going to check in on my other guy. As I was walking towards the break room with the bathroom in it, my spidey sense kicked in. And, like, the hairs on the back of my neck kind of stood up a little bit. And I was like, mm, I'm going to go look at this guy. This guy only had, like, I think he was missing a limb or something. He was confused. He had some open wounds. Fucker was halfway out of bed. <laughs> no bed alarm? Here's the thing. He hadn't moved, made an attempt to get out of bed in the, yeah. any of the days he had been there. I mean, that that's an argument. Maybe those people need a bed alarm anyway. But I guess point being is that I've had multiple instances where my potentially unnecessary hourly rounding, because I was just in there, saved me from, you know, or saved my patient from a, a, either a really messed up night or saved me from having to clean up a poop covered one-armed man
1: off from up off the
0: floor you know it's
1: like i basically don't trust any patient's word when it comes to them saying <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll I'll stay in bed i'll stay in bed oh okay okay Even you, you that alarm completely... everybody i oh, honestly adrian honestly i bet alarm almost every single so person then when and they, the reason is so
0: when they roll over or they scoot themselves up in bed and your bed alarm yep. is going off
1: but the thing is, the patient population that I'm used to dealing with here on trauma, for instance, oh, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. most people are dependent. They have multiple bilateral ex- fractures. Not just They could be just one leg. Just, they're jammed they're, they're, they're they're,
0: they're, up is what you're saying like you they're
1: super wrong. at risk for delirium because of the frequent neuro checks and frequent trauma checks that we do but also the amount of narcotics yeah, that it. we give which you know all about with palliative i mean we honestly we don't even touch this and this is another episode we should totally talk about narcotics and palliative but we don't touch even a a surface of the amount of narcotics that you guys touch which for good reason i mean yeah. but i'm just saying like they're at risk nonetheless because of the trauma on the, these, narcotics. Are the other these
0: are all these are
1: all so needless to say, I basically bed alarm every every person because the, most of them are high fall risk. I don't take the chance anymore because I'm not trying to get burned. And I, I really, really don't want to be that guy that, you know, didn't use a bed alarm on somebody and they end up falling. And then they, they do this whole risk analysis business and figure out, well, I bet you a bed alarm could have been helpful in this point or in this instance. Although sometimes I, I just had this last night. The bed alarms don't even work. These thirty, forty thousand dollar beds, the bed alarms don't work for shit sometimes. You'd think for that amount of money, these bed alarms would work. We had to use a pad alarm. You know, the ones where they, it's like a chair alarm essentially, where they sit on it. If they get up, it'll, it'll ring. mm -hmm. Same concept because the bed alarm didn't work. And I understand ship doesn't break or ship breaks sometimes, but bed alarms and on the other side of things don't work all the time. So it's, it's, it's like a safety blanket that I just can't seem to let go of regardless if someone's oriented or not.
0: I get it because oh, the,
1: it. The, the oriented people, the oriented people will be like, "I got this. I'm being dependent at home. I've got enough strength. I've got a little bit of a fracture, but I'm fine." They get up. They're orthostatic. They're they're narked, You know, they're, they're they're they got pain meds on board. Right down they go. Right. They're, they're maybe they're a little bit hypoxic. Maybe they're a little anemic because of the blood loss. But they're like, you know what? They they rationalize in their mind, oh they're I like, got
0: it. That table isn't that far away. I can get to it.
1: Yeah, and, and they don't have non-slip socks on, they've got SCDs on, they've got IV poles and epidural chest tubes. And and they're like, I got this. And that's why I battle alarm everybody, Adrian. Yeah, no, it, that's
0: valid. You have to remember that my population, we range. Between people that legitimately are fine and just come in for like IV antibiotics or like you know a COPD exacerbation or something, they're mostly fine. They've been managing their illness their whole lives or you know most of their lives. And those people, that's cool. Like you go out to dinner with your family and then you come back. And our NPs are cool. Like that's a very different environment. We also have those patients that are like confused, not able to get, you know, I've had a patient who had like no legs. It's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And you're
1: like, (laughs) no, (laughs)
0: how how do you in your delirium, how do you propose you're going to do this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Give me a, give me a five step process. Tell me about this.
0: (laughs) So yeah, that's legit. Like those, but then, you know, we also have patients that, you know, are, are dying and they, they can't, Like, they couldn't get out of bed even if they summoned all of the will in their body. So our patient population is very varied, and so I can see how it's 150% legitimate for you to bed alarm the hell out of everybody there.
1: I would say regarding the palliative units, um, I've had patients, I, I haven't personally, but I've had coworkers that have had patients that have fallen cracked their face because we thought that they were just out of their you know right, they were out of course, they were of altered they were they were uptunded but we we assumed that they were out of it so we didn't take precaution and then sure enough we find them in our hourly check that they're indeed on the floor with a cracked face so there's i don't know if there's a right answer with the bed alarm and it's it's I mean, a really it your judgment
0: you need to know your patient you need to know the risk you need to know what's at stake for them You know, like, if you're a 25-year-old dude and you play rugby on the weekends when you're not here getting your antibiotics, I'm not as worried about you as if you're, you know, anybody else. And, granted, that doesn't mean that if you're young and healthy that you're not at risk. I mean, the hospital's full of wires and cords and things on wheels. Like, I get that. but. That also is another reason that I'm peeking my head in or like if I have a patient that's really at risk or is or if they're dying even if they're not fucking moving. If they're dying, I'm in there all the time anyway. Giving robenol every 15 minutes, hitting Yay sure. PA every 10 minutes. So, you know, but I think you're right. I think that you need to know your population, you need to know your patient, and you need to trust your instincts. I'm I'm kind of like hyped aware of that shit because I'll be damned if you're going to make me take you down for a head CT at three in the morning <laughs> right. I wanted to see if your phone cord was in your bag. Like, oh, hell no.
1: I know. Well, so, so- you know, the brain fog is a real deal. It's a challenge that all third shift night... See what I'm saying? This is it. this is the problem. i have tried to talk here and I can't even say what I want to fucking say. It's a problem that all third shifter night nurses feel. And we're even experiencing it at this very moment where I have a hard time coming up with a coherent thought because there's something about third shift that kind of screws with your brain. I'm finding that soon, probably within the next year... I'll need a change because I don't like the effect it's having on me physically as well as my personal life. Yeah. Uh, It has been a fantastic talk tonight. Adrian. Yes, it
0: has. And I now that I'm finally starting to feel awake, <laughs> it's <laughs> now 920 at night. And I'm like, Yeah, let's get this day started. And I think Doug's right. probably gone to bed while I've been in here. But um yeah, the brain fog is real. We keep saying that, but it's it's true. It doesn't make us unsafe nurses. It just means that we need our friends and family to be a little bit more understanding that, you know after we've worked three days, then we have a few days off, we might not, you know, we might, first of all, the day after our last shift ends, We spend that whole fucking day sleeping. And if you're Mm -hmm. trying to get back on a night sleeping schedule, you're spending that whole day as a zombie trying to reorient yourself to sleep at night. So it's a constant struggle. It's multifaceted. And all we ask is that if you are one of our loved ones or our friends, that you understand that when we're slurring our words and we don't want to get off the couch and I don't want to put a bra on and I don't (laughs) want to have a long conversation on the phone it's not because I don't love the people in my life. It's because I cannot think straight. I just want to lay on my couch and watch The Sopranos and eat haagen and not think about work for at least, you know, two, three days until I have to go back again. So, yes.
1: For sure. And I will end this note with don't ever say to your nursing buddies, oh, you only work 36 hours a week. What's the big Never, deal?
0: Never, guys. Never. Oh.
1: Uh, thanks for talking, Adrian, and I suspect we will be talking very soon.
0: Indeed. So, guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Medroom Chronicles. As always, we love your support. We love your feedback. But we want everyone to know that you love us. So subscribe uh, on <laughs> iTunes, Google Music, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker. Go to com find out everything and more that you wanted to know about us and our show all right andrew peace out you have a good night and uh, happy nursing